Our friends at Art of the Trek are working hard to research and add backcountry campsites to their public map. The good news is that you can add your own points of interest to the map and help your fellow adventurers plan their trips. Looking at their map, you'll see that they've finished entering named campsites in the U.S. That, that's pretty sweet. They'd really appreciate your help with entering dispersed backcountry tent sites in forests and wilderness areas across the country. The more remote and obscure, the better. To get started, head over to artofthetrek.com. Turn on some points of interest from the overlays menu and select the orange plus sign at the bottom of your screen to help your fellow hikers plan the best adventures possible. Welcome back, everybody. This is um, this is episode 93, by the way. Seven more. And you said you were like the 100th episode. We're going to do something fun. Conspiracy. What's that going to be? Oh, is that going to be? I don't feel like we can wait seven episodes for that. Conspiracy. Um, yeah. Welcome back. Happy Friday. Uh, we have a pretty, pretty fun, pretty interesting guest today. Um, Someone who's a lot smarter than we are. You know, we've been talking about things last while. Well, we always get a lot several, of uh, people several us, streams. People give us a lot of crap because we don't talk about backpacking much. And, uh, no, we're going to, we're going to talk about backpacking. Well, um, we got an expert on, but anyway, uh, I will bef- really quick. I'll bring him up on the screen here. This is Colonel. Is it I iceberg iceberg iceberg? Oh, hold well, on. we lost it. We lost your audio. Oh, I got you. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. You. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Hey guys, how are you? Hey man, uh, we are great. Thank you for joining. Um, you know, we just, we talked a little bit off air prior to this. Um, will you go ahead and give like your official bio just so we don't butcher it? I read, I was reading your little info page. It's really long, (laughs) which is awesome, but, um, go ahead and just give the people, uh, watching a a quick little, like, you know, quick little few sentences on who you are and and why we're talking. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, but first, I'll lead off with just a little disclaimer um, that the views and, and statements here are my own. You know, they don't represent the United States government, uh, the U.S. Army or uh, the National Defense University where I currently work. Um, but uh, at any rate, no. Um, yeah. So I'm a uh, I'm a colonel in the U.S. Army, um, actually affiliated with the Army National Guard. So I'm a Title 10 AGR. Uh, I've been in for about 33 about 33 years now. Uh, oh, nice. Started in the Navy back in 1989, um, and I was a uh, sub hunter and rescue swimmer on helicopters. Oh, oh shit! Uh, back in uh, back at the end of the Cold War, um, and I was stationed up in uh, after a year long of training. I was stationed up in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, at Naval Air Station South Weymouth. And uh, following that, I, I joined the Guard while I was going to college for a little beer money <laughs> and uh, uh, with the intent of getting out of college and going right back into the Navy to fly. But it was in the 90s during the downsizing. And uh, when I called the Navy, they said, uh, nope, sorry, we're not hiring. So good luck with your Army career. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I was up in uh, I was up in New England for, for quite a long time and I moved back to around D.C. I grew up in Maryland. And uh, so went to work on Capitol Hill, worked for a senator for a while and was just doing the weekend warrior thing with the guard. And uh, after uh, at 9-11, I was actually at uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey, headed to um, Bosnia uh, for a rotation of peacekeeping uh, when 9-11 happened. And uh, after that, I got back and I was doing my lobbying job. I had finished working for the senator. I was a lobbyist. And uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to go back in. So I did. And I've been in ever since. And uh, 
uh, it's been a great ride. What were you, what were you lobbyists for? I was, I was a lobbyist for the National Guard Association of the United okay. States. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah. Were you, uh... So I spent about total eight years on Capitol Hill. So first as a, a Senate staffer for Senator Jim Jeffords out of Vermont. I was going to ask and, you what senator you work for. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jumpin' Jim, as they called him <laughs> back then, because he uh, uh, the Bush administration pressured him. He left Bennett, you know, really, at heart. Um, so he left the Republican party caucused with the Democrats and gave power back over to the Democrats in the Senate. And so it was, it was a little touchy issue back in the day. Yeah. Jump and Jim. <laughs> I never heard that. Jump and Jim. He's a great American. Great American. <laughs> um, okay. I, I do want to ask about backpacking before we get into more mi- militaristic. Well, I, I think it would be interesting to understand, like you reached out to us and like, maybe tell us like why you reached out to us. <laughs> That's a good, that's a yeah. good way to start. <laughs> so, so I got in just a few years ago into backpacking and stuff and, you know, just following different channels and, and, you know, watching you guys and a couple other folks out there. And, um, as you well know, it can be overwhelming sometimes because yeah. you, you have to attend to your personal life and stop watching YouTube. But, <laughs> uh, but I noticed that, uh, one of the guys I was following, Spagiver, um, had a common friend of mine on Facebook who I had graduated with from the National War College back in 2018 uh, so I reached out to her and said, Hey, do you know this guy Spagiver? And she's like, Oh yeah, I know exactly who he is. Um, and so I reached out to Mark and said, Hey, you know, I'm friends with so-and-so. And, uh, you know, from that point on, um, yes. So I should have uh, told him, I, sh- I should have yeah. told him you were uh, coming on tonight. Yeah. I totally meant to, I didn't realize you guys knew each other. We don't. So it was just one like little through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so I was listening to him with you guys on your new political podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, and, uh, yeah, so I was like, you know what? Um, I, I know Mark's been out of it for a while, out of the military and stuff like that. And I could tell he didn't have some of the answers. And I could tell you guys were really curious. Yeah, we are. Oh, um, we are and, curious. Yeah. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not the expert yeah. either. You know, I'm I'm now a faculty member at the National War College. So, you know, they, there's a saying, right? Those who can't teach. <laughs> you know, can't do actually teach. Um, so I've been doing for a long time and I got the opportunity to teach. So, um, so I'm not in the operations center. I'm not seeing things live and stuff like that, but I'm in it enough in the national security enterprise that, uh, um, you know, I've got my finger on a, some of the things. You, uh, definitely know more than us. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, also, uh, uh, will you share what you're drinking? So I'm drinking a little Eagle rare. Um, where's ours? We got three down there. Okay. Is that, is that hard to get where you are? No, no. As a matter of fact, over at the Marine Corps base, uh, right by the Pentagon, um, they continuously keep it stocked up. That's good. Really? Great prices over there. Is there other bourbons? How much is a bottle of Eagle Rare for you? I think I got that for about 39. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. That's way better than we were getting them in Michigan. Michigan marks them up to like 55. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's some sometimes they'll they'll realize how uh, underpriced they are. Yeah, like I, I'm a Lagavulin 16 drinker. Oh, okay, and they used to sell it for seventy dollars, and uh, it's now selling for one hundred fifteen a bottle. Oh wow, we haven't yeah. gotten we haven't gotten into that that's, yet. That's the, is that I the, feel like that's the next purview. That's the Ron Swanson drink. Scotch. I've heard of Lagavulin. Is Lag- it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Doesn't he drink Lagavulin? He definitely does, but there's like yeah. tons of different kinds of them. Yeah. Um, well, he's a good American, so whatever he drinks, I'll drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
I also do want to talk about how um, you brought you you want to get into YouTube in terms of backpacking with kids. Do you want do you want to talk about like oh uh, how many how many children do you have? Like how, do you backpack with them? Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things you guys are new parents, right? We are. I know we're rookies. Yeah. So congrats, by the way. Thank you. Congrats. Um, yeah. So listen, you know, kids uh, kids are the best thing in the world, but sometimes they can be an anchor. Uh, and you stop doing what you enjoy doing and what yeah. you love. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, you've talked with Devin and that guy has never stopped. I mean, no. he yeah. his kid, right. you know, <laughs> as a baby. But, um, so I just realized that if I want my kids to experience, cause I grew up in the country. If I want my kids to experience that, I've got to get them out. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I started getting them on short hikes. I'll go in the backyard and set the tent up. And actually my seven year olds now he's prefers to be a hammock camper. Good. Oh, nice. Um, That's advanced for a seven-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and we tried the spreader bar, but uh, the weight ratio just, you know. Really? <laughs> really? I, I that is interesting, that. actually. So you have to go gather it, only. How many yeah. kids How many kids do you have? Uh, no, so I have two, two boys. Okay. One, uh, one is seven and one is four, almost five, so he'll be five in July. Um, and, and they're just a blast. Uh, so I took my seven-year-old out to Dolly Sods last year. Oh, nice. For his uh, for his first two night mm -hmm. three day hike, uh, and he was a champion. Yeah, Absolute that's champion. awesome. Yeah. So two nights at seven. That's impressive. Yeah, we did it in November too. As a matter of fact, Whoa. Our, that's when we didn't we bail in November. Did you, are you trying to get him to hate backpacking? <laughs> so this was this was you know so so you guys you know just take a take a note here. Parenting, <laughs> you know, don't make these bad decisions. Um, now listen, I took I, I took all the proper gear. I took changes of clothes. Yeah. And, you know. Um, Except the one thing that I totally forgot were pull-ups. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So first night we get out there, it got pretty cold, and he wakes up. He's like, "Daddy, I'm all wet." And I was like, "Oh no, oh. forgot the pull." <laughs> yeah. So I got him into his change of clothes, and it was fine. I got the fire going in the morning. I got his clothes, you know, his wet clothes all set up. I got you know uh, everything uh, drying, and he goes over to the next campsite. This guy who was hiking from the Atlantic out the Pacific with no trail. He was just walking. Oh, he was what? walking. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird, but whatever. he was enjoying life. Um, but so my son's over there playing with them, and next thing I know, I hear, "Oh no!" And he fell in the stream, so he got wet. Your son second in November. Yeah. Oh in wow! November. So I had one more pair of dry clothes for him, you know. And I was like, "All right, buddy, come sit here. You're not going near the stream again." Yeah. yeah so. Hey, prop, props to your son. That's seven years old. Dolly Sods yeah, in November. Oh, yeah. So then he was he was six. He was oh, just right, right, he right. just turned six because it was November. Yeah. And did he enjoy the experience overall? Loved it. Absolutely loved okay. it. Okay. What was the weather like for you? So the daytime was nice. I mean, just beautiful. Yeah. You know, good all day, but it got down. Um, I think the first night, first night it got down to about twenty eight degrees. Yeah. Oh, second night was a little warmer. And then the trails freeze. Yeah. They're all they're You got a six crazy. you have a six year old out there. Yeah, so so when is this YouTube channel coming? Because you're gonna have a yeah, lot of Yeah, that was great. People. That was great content, man. You missed out on. That would have been great content. Oh, I would have no, watched that. I've got all the video footage. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But you know, my problem is I'm you know, I'm older, I'm a technical geek, I'm just trying to learn it, but you know, Dealing with the two kids, dealing with family, it's with work, mm -hmm. everything yeah. else, it, it's it's tough, you know. So, 
I'm sure once I uh, once I learn how to do it, it'll be fine. But yeah, I, I've kind of I already got the name going. I've I've established a channel. I've been working on editing and stuff. It's just it's tough. So and the channel is going to be called uh, uh, Way uh, Way Out Back uh, Adventures. So okay. Woba. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, and uh, you know, so I'm working on some, I guess some uh, um, some photos or, or drawings or stuff for the background yeah. for the channel and stuff like that. So, well, when yeah. I'll get it going soon. When you're live, we'll have you back, and you can we can we can you know get on that. My last backpacking related question is how, and this is something Andy and I you know are interested in, but how young, like how young <laughs> do the how old do they have to be before we do this? Uh, I don't, I, I mean, I think you can, I think you can probably get them out there six or eight months, as long as you're willing to carry them on the, uh, mm-hmm. on the backpack, like, you do know, you think, on a, on, a, on an infant backpack. So like our Andy's about a year behind me. So like my daughter's almost two, his son will be one. And I'm trying to think like, when is the right, I mean, Devin's, Devin's a bad example. Cause his kids are out there. Like when they're like eight months old, ready to go. But I'm trying to think, cause I want her to like, not hate it right so it's like a a fine line between being old enough and enjoying it and then having like the right weather and like the right everything i I want her to like really enjoy it so like i'm trying to figure out when the that perfect time is and maybe that doesn't exist i don't know so well no look every child's different right um but exposing them as early as possible to things, making them and making the experience enjoyable. The mm-hmm. most important thing yeah. is don't force them to do something that you love because yeah. they may not love it. Yeah. And, and, and at that age they're scared. So what I would do with the little guys is I would take them out to the local parks here and I would just do gradual test runs. I'm like, okay, we're going to hike a mile. And I wouldn't tell them that we'd just go, you know, and if they were able to do a mile and come back, I was like, all right, well, that's a good test run. And finally, when I was able to go hike out three miles and three miles back, now, granted, there were a lot of stops and there was some whining. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I assume so, there's a lot of whining. But you got to be creative. <laughs> you got to be creative. So I would bring snacks. I would bring games. Like I'd bring a Frisbee and we'd stop in the middle of the trail and we'd just start playing Frisbee. Oh, that's you know? smart. And he'd love it. That is smart. I need a YouTube channel with this content ready for me to consume, John. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm telling you, there's no, there's literally. No, I know. I know. That's it, that's it. I know. Yeah, you have there's, your own there's niche. There's a few individuals. Yeah. You know, I know uh, 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 Becker has done a couple. Devin's done a bunch. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple folks out there that have done a couple. But there's no, there's there's a huge market for it, but there's no content out there. Yeah. So, and um, kid stuff in general on YouTube is that's the hot stuff. Yeah, you could you could like go to camp and then have them open stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and then you could test kids gear. Yeah. 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 I had him with this little backpack and the only thing he carried, I told him he has to carry two things. He has to carry his own air mattress uh, and then he had to carry his stuffed animal. Okay. Yeah. And then you carry and everything else. That, and I yeah. carried the rest of the gear. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, all right. I'm excited to see where this goes and as new parents like there is a very big gap for this sort of instructional content on YouTube and hopefully people like you can feel it, feel it. All right. It's time to talk about Ukraine. Okay. (laughs) I I have a good way to kick this off. So I have a, I have a running friend. Um, remember he ran the half. Uh So he's in the air force and he does logistics. 
So, and I know that that's oh, like, yeah, that's Andy, a very, was, Andy was talking that, about this. That, this very, is not a very sexy question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very logistics. I think is just gen, like very generalized, you know, but when uh, we were running a couple weeks ago, he's like, finally, everybody who works in logistics is getting some like credit. Yeah. Because you're seeing in Ukraine, like how poor Russian logistics are. And he like, it got me thinking like, in in your view, when you look at like how they've invaded Ukraine from like a logistical standpoint, is is the news in the media correct and it's just like so poor and so pathetic? Or are we all being like uh are we all being sent awry? No, so I think there's a number of things at play with this. Um one, I think there was some poor planning on their part. Yeah. Two, most importantly, I think they had a bad strategy. Um, they thought they were going to be able to make, similar to what the U.S. did in Iraq uh, back in 2003 with a thunder run you know, downtown and just get in right away. Um, it's a completely different uh, operational area, completely different terrain, and they didn't account for the resistance that the Ukrainians were going to put up. You know, and let's be clear, Ukrainians are not Russians. Right. They yeah. are most Slavs. Uh, and they are a former satellite state of, you know, of the Soviet Union. Um, but they have been um, they've been trained on their own for quite some time. And there's one thing that they are very, uh, um, very willing to die for. And that's their existence as a country, as a people. Um, so, yeah, I think there are a number of things that play on the Russian end. So, no, I don't think you're being fed a lot. Um, yeah. I think like is, is it as bad? Is it as bad? Like, I, like I, I look at the Western media, like Andy said, and like they're painting a, and I think you're talking specifically like about this, like convoy. No, just in general. It's just like, um, you know, you hear all the stories about like, oh, you know, they're, their vehicles break down and they can't repair them because they don't have the logistics to support it. They're out of gas because they don't have the like, right Like I logistics. say like the medical kits are from like the 80s, you know, and it's like, is, and, that, is it really that bad? And they're using conscripts. I like, I, I just don't know what to believe. Yeah, so there's it's definitely a conscript army, but they also have some professionals. It's, it's back in the, you know, similar to what the U.S. used to have mm -hmm. when we had the draft, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so you had your, uh, you had your full-time, um, lifers that stayed in, they were professional soldiers. And then you had the draftees who would get drafted and they'd do their turn and then they'd go, you know, go home. Um, and we decided as a country to get rid of that. Uh, well, Russia hasn't done that, you know, and uh, I'm sure they're, um, you know, patriots, you know, Russian patriots and stuff. But uh, there's a big problem with the conscripts uh, in the Russian army. And they do, uh, they do about a one, two year stint and uh, they get hazed. Um, I've heard, I've, I've read about that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can't imagine that they are, they are raring to go when they just got their, you know, butts kicked by their, you know, guys who were one year senior to them Yeah. Uh, or the officers, the junior officers who aren't well-trained at all. And the Russian army doesn't really have a, a solid non-commissioned officer or NCO Corps like the United States does. Oh, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. I want to ask a really stupid higher level question. Mm. Why is Russia invading Ukraine? Mm. Yeah, that's the million dollar question, right? Like, well, I mean, I don't uh, know what the answer is, I, but like, I, why I, do you, is it, is it's, it, it's now just come down to, well, Putin's just that crazy. Well, I, I was, my thought was, and you know, the things you read is like the re reunification of the former Soviet Union. Like, but like, why, like, why do you think, like, why is this happening? 
So, so that gets right at the, you know, at the crux of what I do for a living. You yeah. know? So I'm teaching, I'm, I'm a faculty member of the National War College, and we teach national security strategy to the joint force, to the interagency folks from, you know, whether or not it's State Department or, you know, Justice or, or what have you, and international fellows from our friends and allies as well. Um, and what we teach is, you know, why are you going to do what you're doing? You know, what instrument of power are you going to use in order to do it? Um, and you can go back to the theorists, you know, whether or not it's, you know, von Clausewitz that the army loves, or, you know, you go to Sun Tzu or Mao Zedong or, oh, nice. you know, um, the bottom line is why is, why is Putin doing what he's doing? It's protects his interest. Um, now we can guess, we can make, uh, assumptions about what his interests are. Uh, and I think we'd be pretty close if we were to say he's worried about turning Ukraine into a NATO power on mm. his border. Okay. You know, um, if you look at what he's done so far, he did it in Georgia. Okay. He did it in, uh, Ukraine, uh, back in what, 2014, mm -hmm. uh, in the, in, in the Crimea, Crimea and the yeah. Donbass, which is still uncontested Yeah, uh, or still contested. Sorry. Um, and so he's proven that he's willing to do it. Um, so I, I think when we were, if you were to hear people say we were surprised, um, I don't know why we would be. I mean, when you put 250,000 troops on somebody's border and you throw out rhetoric by saying that, hey, this country will not join NATO, I will not stand for it, and I am going to, uh, you know, I'm going to invade this country oh. and, and stop you. And, and that does stop the NATO process because um, a country cannot join into the NATO accession process if there is a conflict internally. Um, or with another power. I did not know that. But see, here's the thing, too, and this is where, like, I guess nobody can really pr say what Putin's thinking. But, like, it's my understanding, like, NATO was off the table for Ukraine long ago. Well, Zelensky, uh, you know, President Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, um, he said that from the about a week before they invaded. Mm -hmm. He said, OK, you know, NATO's off the table. Yeah. Well, he invaded anyway. Yeah, I know. So and it goes back like, to your it goes back it? to your original question. How long do you think they were planning on doing this? Like ever since they annexed Crimea, was it like, okay, let's put in, let's, let's get the plans ready. Um, you know, look, every country has, has war plans, right. And they collect dust on the shelf, yeah. um, you know, and hopefully you're updating them, but yeah, I, I'm sure they had a plan on the shelf for these sort of things. Um, I don't think, listen, I think what, what we have here with Putin is we had a what we call a policy strategy mismatch. You know, he set out a policy that he wanted to go accomplish something, but the strategy that his military and the foreign service, uh, the intelligence agency inside of uh, Russia, that they just didn't they didn't have the means, they didn't have the will uh, to put it together. Um, but to get back to your original question, so part of that is because he didn't want them to join NATO. Yeah. The other mm -hmm. part was there's a there's an economic interest. They want a sphere of interest. Um, if you want to talk about you know. Uh, gas and oil, right? Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2. Yeah. Russia provides a lot of uh, energy to Europe. Uh, and they they hold that over Europe's head. They coerce Europe with this. Um, and um, there's a lot coming out of the stands as well, out of the Caucasus region, you know, which come down through Ukraine. Uh, and if you, if you recall, I think back in week two or week three of the war, um, they attacked some of the pipelines. Mm-hmm. You know, because they can, they can then uh, start to direct some of the energy elsewhere through other areas that they better control. Hmm. 
you know so i think there's a economic interest here as well yeah. is is any of it his wanting to reunify in in your opinion the former soviet union is that just like yeah. a, a russian pipe dream or like is that part of this or is it more like a realistic intention of let's like ukraine is a I strategic thought, see, place or, I, thought, you know, I don't know i thought he dissed the soviet union but was referring to like the original russian republic no. So if you if you understand if you understand the worldview or the personality of Putin in and of himself. So um, he was <laughs> a, he was a former KGB officer. Right. Um, he was uh, he was trained up underneath Soviet doctrine. He was a for, he was a believer. OK. But I thought he and, was in uh, tight with Gorbachev and like they were like bros. And didn't you didn't Gorbachev wasn't Putin like mayor of some yeah. area? Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah, know. It's up in uh, I believe it's up in St. Petersburg. Yeah. Um, but no, but when Putin was, uh, as a KGB officer stationed, uh, in, I think he was in Germany, uh, he didn't get the post he wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, he didn't get the sexy post. <laughs> um, but he, while he was there, that's when the Soviet Union fell. So everything he knew, everything he trained, everything he believed in was gone. And when he went back, um, you know, and as a matter of fact, when he was a KGB officer at his station, uh, they were like, we, should we report what's going on here? And he's like, report to who? <laughs> you know, there's nobody, there's nobody there. The, the country's now fallen. Yeah. And so that, that really impacted him. I mean, you're either, you're either informed or you're captured by your experiences. And I believe Putin was firmly captured by that experience and that drove him to be who he is today. And so I don't think he went back to the Warsaw Pact or the Soviet Union, but I think he definitely wants to make Russia great again. Um, here's another question for you, especially someone coming from like the military intelligence side of things. So I'm going to assume that Putin was under the assumption that this was going to be an easy take for them. Like they were going to steamroll through. How does that happen? Like, was he being fed poor intelligence? Yeah, I mean, how did do they you just, miss it by that? Like how do they, so they, they clearly missed the mark there by a lot. And like, how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So did you guys get an opportunity to watch? Um, th so they actually filmed um, the the cabinet meeting that Putin held to get all of his cabinet to come up on video to say we support the special military operation. Yeah, you guys g Google that when you get a chance, yeah. because you can see on all of their faces how scared they were. So do they how know? They, like, they did, did everyone just know and did they just were afraid to tell him like, hey, or, oh, absolutely. Or, okay, so so we're dealing with an autocracy here. Yeah, it's you know, true, it's right? The tyrant, but, you know, you don't get to say what you want. Look, you can't go over <laughs> into you know the, into in front of the Kremlin and start screaming that Putin sucks because there's going to be a black band that pulls up and puts you in it. Yeah, you, yeah, know? Yeah. So you can walk it, down in front of the White House and say something about the current president or previous president or future president, and people are just going to look at you like, all right, well, freedom, you can say what you want. So I mean, so basically. In a nutshell, Putin was like, I want to invade Ukraine and all of his direct. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah, be easy. Yeah, intelligence is good. We're but like, do, like, obviously, do you think a lot of those people knew like, hey, this is not going to be as easy as you think it's going to be? Yeah, I, there's there's no doubt. Listen, um, there are professional military, professional intelligence people within uh, Russia who absolutely are aware of what their capability is and what they were up against. But sometimes you convince yourself that you can still do it. Um, and when it's reinforced by things that happened in 14 in, in, uh, in Ukraine or 2008 in, um, in Georgia or in Syria, 
Yeah. You know, let's not point. forget Syria. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and Syria was really the, the last place that they were to effectively use, com, you know, combined arms, where they were to able to use aviation, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maneuver forces, infantry forces, artillery. And, and the Russian army is predominantly, they're an artillery or fires uh, force. They like to bomb the shit out of everything, yeah. Yeah. you know, and ask questions later. As what that's what you're seeing in Mariupol right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you saw in Bucha. Um, but you know, so it, but it's not working out. So yeah, now I believe there was a bunch of yes men. I believe there was some hubris going on, uh, and I believe they have some bad strategy. So you combine those three things together, and that's a dangerous recipe. So, so, oh, I, I, I've got so many well, questions. Actually, so, many questions so my question, well. first question, and then you go. Were you like? You personally, when this started unfolding, I don't know, this is what, in February, like, were you surprised or not surprised that they had met so much resistance or like you as a military insider, like you knew like Ukraine was not going to be easy to take, like with your knowledge, like basically my question is like, did you think the Russian army was as good as they were like touted to be? Or like, were you just like not surprised that this went the way that it went? Uh, you know, if you asked me that question back in 2008 when they went into Georgia, uh, be a I would have said, uh, no, I wasn't surprised at all okay. because they looked pretty good. Really? I mean, it was a blitzkrieg. They came in using effective firepower, effective tactics and doctrine. Um, but then I watched them in Crimea and Donbass. I watched them in Syria. They used good combined arms in Syria a bit, but they had free range. You know, they were able to select when and where they wanted to fight. That's not the case in Ukraine right now, yeah. you know, and, and I have a, you know, I have a friend who's, uh, who's over, he's Ukrainian. He's, uh, he's in the military. He's a career guy. Um, and you know, been keeping in touch with him and, uh, they're just taking it to him. Yeah. Really? You know? So and, it's, and, it's yeah. that, it's that like the Ukraine, like it's not media, like the Ukraines are doing that good of a job. Yeah. Yeah. I That's mean, good. look, yeah. you know, the one thing, the one thing you're not going to get out of uh, either our media or definitely the Russian media, you're not going to get accurate numbers. Right. Um, so they sent in about 129 battalion tactical groups. All right. So these are fairly large, uh, you know, brigade minus types, uh, really battalion. If you look at battalion size of a U.S. battalion, um, and, uh, they went in with about 129 of them. I think they've lost about 30 or 33. So they've lost about 30% of their ground forces. Wow. Jeez. Lost about 30% of their army. Right now, they're saying they lost about 20,000 killed. Um, Russia's saying that. Yeah. So it's way and, more. And I estimate those numbers are higher. And I think Zelensky came out today and said they Ukraine's probably lost about 3,000 uh, with about 10,000 injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's. Uh, Defense has the advantage in warfare. Yeah, um, and it's their it's their home. It's their terrain. They know it. They know where to. They know what to blow up. They know where to hide. They know what to flood. Um, they know where. Especially, I mean, listen. What the hell were the Russians thinking? Why do you attack in the spring when shit's thawing out and you're a predominantly <laughs> heavy force? Tanks and mud don't go well together. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm an yeah, armor yeah. officer. I don't like mud. Yeah. You know? So, so, so since you're an armor officer and this is, this is a question I have, like, do you want to know how those tanks are getting refueled, refueled? Like (laughs) how, how much logistical support does it take? I don't know to, to like support, I I love the logistics questions to support like, I don't know how many tanks are in. Yeah. In my mind, you, you've got like a 30 mile long convoy of tanks. There's gotta be some amazing 
uh, refueling, like whatever to Parts. keep that going. Yeah, don't right? you have to have like infantry units to support the tanks too? And just like, what do you like? Wh- yes. No, you're onto something. That is the concept. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. However, they're not doing it. You know, listen, they didn't bring gas. They, they didn't even, the, the tanks and the APCs, the armor personnel carriers and the trucks and everything else that they brought were shitty. Yeah. They're yeah. breaking down. They're, look, their conscripts are not walking, waking up in the morning doing PT and then heading yeah. over to the motor pool to make sure that their trucks are all good to go to war. Yeah. No, they're getting in. They're turning it on. They're like, hey, it's running. Let's go. Okay. And, and oh, by the way, let's, let's not, you know, forget the fact that they weren't told where they were going and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I read that, like the conscripts, yeah. they just were like, did they think it was like a training exercise or something? Yeah. So I read an article too that said like, um, and maybe this is this is clearly biased based on just Russia invading Ukraine, but with like all the anti-tank technology out there, like the days of like armored warfare are numbered when you when you have like, like artillery dr- too, right? With, with drones, with air power, with anti-tank technology, like rolling in with a column of tanks against like a modern nation. I guess I guess Ukraine would fall into that is pretty worthless now like is that type of warfare done you know i i mean i don't want to say it's not i mean obviously i'm biased because i'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a you know uh mounted maneuver warfare, <laughs> you know trained person um but i think i think some of the character of warfare is changing so how we fight the technology we use um listen i mean there's a time and a place for, you know, tanks on tanks. Mm-hmm. There's a time and a place for tank, you know, with infantry supported. When you go into an urban uh, area, when you go into cities, um, you don't just take tanks in because they're going to get shot. Yeah. Uh, you go in with the infantry first. You clear the area. You call tanks for backup or you call aviation for backup. Um, you don't just drive in with tanks uh, because we've seen what, what the Ukrainians can do to the Russians in an urban or in a, even small villages. So what what is the role of a tank then in like urban so the, warfare? That's a good question. Yeah, no. So the role for is really to support infantry. Okay. So like like uh like infantry's going in, like clearing buildings, like that sort of stuff, and the tanks are supporting them. Is that is that kind of yeah. how it's supposed to go? Yep. And that's is that not what they're doing? I don't know. I, I can't <laughs> no, t- I, no, don't no, <laughs> I don't they're, know. I don't know. So so they are literally just <laughs> driving into a, a town with their tanks, um, right, wrong, or different, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure why they're doing it, but they just drive right in and listen, what's the main, uh, weapon system that the West has been providing to Ukraine? In-laws, javelins, yeah, anti-tank whatever. Weapons. Yeah. yeah. What's the British yeah. one? The star, and, star streak. No, that's the anti, yeah. anti-aircraft one. This is a great segue to my next question. Uh-oh. Um, I am, I am, I used to work for a defense contractor. I am, under the impression that the Sorry, U.S. <laughs> uh, my specialty was chemical weapons, too. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but I'm under the impression that the U.S. Uh, not only is, is you know, supplying Ukraine with, uh, you know, uh, various weapons, et cetera. But do you I mean, obviously, like we're utilizing this as a test bed, right, for like our next generation of weapons. Like, is that a fair like, is that what we're doing? Yeah, these, I'm, I'm assuming that's what we're doing, right? Contractors just sitting back and like analyzing all the the footage that's gotta of, like, be what in some capacity well, we're doing right yeah with the, with the weapons that are already on the street um yeah there's no doubt that the contractors who built those weapons are, are they're they're getting data like Their this is a good testing ground yeah. right i don't have any information you know specifically, yeah, 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 yeah 
I don't have direct knowledge, but I, I got to guess that they're there. Yeah. I got to guess what they're getting the feedback and they're going to improve their weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you know, we don't have to like it. Yeah. Um, the last person that wants any war is somebody who's in the military. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, right. Um, but you have to hope that we're designing the next best thing that can probably save lives and, and help you win quickly. So speaking, kind of going that direction too, there's been a bunch of like criticism that's like, um, you know, we keep, we keep us in Europe and other countries keep providing all these, these, these aid in various forms, weapons, packages, vehicles, all that fun stuff. And there's not really a talk of like peace, for example, it's, it's like, how do we flood as much yeah. weapons and money yeah, into yeah. Ukraine as possible? And then it's like, there's not really much talks of peace or like, what do the Russians want? <clears throat> and like, is this good to keep escalating it? I mean, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, should there be more talks about like, how do you stop this? Or are you, are you more on the, I don't know if you, you don't have to pick a side, but are you like, let's just give let's Ukraine just give, as much as possible. Give them as much yeah. as possible to stop Russia. So you always got to look for the off ramp. You always got to yeah. look for, you know, first off, what does Russia really want? How can we, how can we get towards that without sacrificing, you know, our own, you know, from a Ukrainian right. point of view, right? right, right. So h- how do you sacrifice, not sacrifice your sovereignty, your existence? Um, and the problem is the Russians keep changing their political objectives, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the political objectives drive the military objectives. So I think their original political objective was um, they wanted to just off Zelensky. They're just going to do a decapitation, remove the government, and therefore they're now in control. And that's why they did a thunder run to Kiev. Mm -hmm. Okay, listen, the the North during the Civil War did the same thing. They tried to make a great run to Richmond, and they got their butts handed to them. And they quickly realized that, oh, this is going to be – this is going to be a protracted war. This is going to be a long war. And I think Russia is quickly realizing that. And there's a reason for that. Well, because Ukrainians have something to fight for. For them, it's unlimited. Right, They're willing right. to die for, yeah. you know, yeah. down to the last man, woman, and the little kid. Um, the Russians, they're not. They don't know what they're fighting for. What It's Putin doesn't even know what he's fighting for because he's changed the objective so many times. Like, what's their rhetoric now? Oh, it was never about Kiev. It's about the Donbass. It's about the east. We just want to have that area over there. They want the sea. They want the sea of uh, Azov. That's what they want. Um and they want to be able to control all of that area um, because they need a they need a port, right? Yeah. And if they're not going to have Odessa, they're not going to have something else. Or they're then they they need to control all of that uh, because their only other port is uh, is well at least on the on the western side is where is that it's, the one? It's, it's the up one that, in the north. That's like right? fro- it's, it's like frozen, frozen right? Yeah. It's like frozen parts of the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. Um, and the Turks have closed off how, the Black Sea. Uh, <laughs> ah, the Turks. Yeah, how, 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 how big of a deal was the sinking of this Russian like destroyer or battleship that happened like yesterday? Wasn't that like a big massive. deal? Massive. Really? Massive. Yeah. yeah. Listen, you can send battalion tactical groups all day and they can get shot up and you can deny it and you can hide it in the media. You can, uh, but um, a, a, a naval ship is a huge presence. It's yeah. a huge message. Um, and when you have something like that, which was their flagship, mm-hmm. um, when you, when you lose that, you can't hide that, you know, as much as you want to lie and say, Oh, it's, we started a fire, you know, I know yeah, I yeah. saw that. I was like, but clearly that's not how it happened. Storm, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. So I actually, um, when I was in the Navy, I, uh, 
I was after the fall of the Soviet Union. I was on a um, we I was on a flight and we landed on it was a goodwill tour. So uh, the Russian Navy was still out and about. It mm-hmm. was no longer the Soviet Union, but they did a visit to Halifax, Canada, and then down to Boston. And I was on the aircraft that landed on the back of one of their um, I think it was one of their destroyers. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I took a note here. It was Admiral uh, Karlamov. It was one of the destroyers, but one of the cruisers uh, of the same class that was sunk uh, this week was uh, was with them. Oh. You know, in ninety-three. You know, off of Cape Cod, and uh, when when a when a nation loses a ship, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, because it sends a message. So, I like it. Okay, just U.S. Navy, for example, can I mean, do we have technology to stop cruise missiles from hitting like a U.S. Navy ship? Is that how the ship went down? Did it go down with the cruise missile? Yeah, two of them. So, so I don't, I don't have all the details. Yeah, um, I don't know. You know. I haven't, I haven't read any of the reports, and if I did, I probably wouldn't tell you. But, um, <laughs> That's fair. But no, so, so this speculation is, um, is that some of the tactics that that they used, they overwhelmed the ship's defensive systems with drones. Oh, okay. And they were able to get some of their own uh, anti-ship, I think it was a ship, or shore-to-sea sh- uh, launched weapon anti-ship uh, missile that, that the Ukrainians developed themselves. Yeah. Oh, okay. After the loss of Crimea, they realized, oh, shit, we, we got to develop something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, so all ships, all ships have defensive measures, right? Uh, you've seen them, you've seen them in Hollywood in the movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like those, you those know, mini guns that like shoot yeah, the, the stuff down. I mean, yeah, these yeah. things are massive. You know, listen, every time I land on the back, I, when I was in the Navy and I used to land on the back of an FFG, uh, class or a Knox class, they had a, uh, uh, a sea whiz right on the back. Is that what that's like called? That, is that like the gun, the gun thing yeah. I'm thinking yeah. of? So okay. it's, it's, it has one barrel, uh, and it looks like it's a white, um, cone shape and they call it uh, sea whiz. And uh, I was always afraid that, you know, we'd land and somehow there would be a malfunction. And that thing would just shred our helicopter. Do they, do, do they yeah. have rail guns? Are rail guns real? What, what is a rail gun? Just shooting a piece of metal? No. Are, they, are rail guns real? They're real, right? Rail, gun is, rail guns are developed technology. They're working on that idea. Okay. I hear. Okay. Do you know what a rail gun is? I, isn't that just shooting? Watch a, one a, of the Transformers movies. <laughs> isn't that just shooting a piece of metal like incredibly? Fast? Yeah, really fast through like magnetic rails. They're like Uses no, kinetic energy. Yeah, they're used. Yeah. They're like known to be on ships. I don't think they're an anti. I don't think they're a defensive measure more than an offensive measure. So, but so that's yeah, interesting. Read, uh, read Peter Singer's Ghost Fleet. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> really stuff. interesting book. So so the speculation is that there was a bunch of drones that like overwhelmed the the ship's radar or something and that and then potentially they were able to sneak some missiles in that way yeah that's cool yeah i just i just saw it it was like what yesterday and i just well i, I, heard, I was like okay yeah that i didn't realize well, at the time I it's heard, like a big deal i heard they were they evacuated it and then they were towing it and then a yeah. pet, it potentially i saying, did see the thing russia was well, saying like some fire so broke out or something been, you know even though i was an aviation guy when you go out to sea you learn um, you learn, you know, how to control water damage because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta fight fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta stop leaks, you know? And, um, and I can't imagine that, uh, look, the Navy has conscripts too. I can't imagine that they were, they probably weren't prepared for this. Um, now that ship was, uh, involved in the Syria operation. I think it was involved in the 2014 Crimea, um, crisis, but, uh, uh, I gotta imagine that they were probably hit. They probably evacuated. 
they didn't get the leaks underway and they started to tow it with the with with it still leaking yeah and once water starts to get in and you start to get over bulkheads and such and, and compartments start to fill up it's just physics okay it's going to sink does Do you, does russia have like a notably good navy are they known as a good naval power they were they really were i mean traditionally look when you look at certain nations um you know, certain things define what sort of military power they're going to be. You look at um, the United Kingdom, an island nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're going to be they're going right. to be a damn good navy, yeah, right? Because yep. that's they have to be. Yep. You know, they don't have a lot of land space, and they got to keep all the invaders out. Um, but if you're if you're living on a very large continent, like you're the Mongols or your Russians or your Germans who don't have a lot of seaports, you're probably going to have a pretty good uh, um, land force. You know, so if you look historically, um, the Germans had an okay navy. They experimented. You know, well, I won't say experimented because they were pretty damn good with oh, U boats. U boats, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the Battle of the Atlantic was the longest <laughs> yeah, uh, campaign yeah. throughout World War II, and uh, th- and they were pretty good at it until we figured some other stuff out. Um, but the United States and and Russia and, and China, um, we have the ability to be both. Yeah, you know, we can be both a continental army or a continental power, but we can also be a maritime power. And the Soviet Union had a massive navy. And as somebody who was in the navy, um, trained to to fight and sink Soviet submarines, um, it was fun. I mean, there were two <laughs> there were two times when I got to prosecute, and when I say prosecute, I got to uh, to identify, track, and uh, and maintain contact with Soviet submarines. Are do they have a lot of subs? Uh, they used to. Okay. They're rebuilding their sub force now. Um, I wouldn't say it's probably modernized and up to up to date, but uh, but they do have a significant submarine force. Are uh, are our subs over there? Oh, sure. I would hope they, so. They gotta be right. Well, the tough thing about submarines is you never know. <laughs> okay, I love that. They, they leak port, they sink, and you're like, where'd they go? <laughs> did you uh, did you serve on a sub? No, no. So I was I was in a um, anti-submarine warfare helicopter oh, right, off right. the back of. Uh, fast frigates, FFGs. And um, one, these boats were very, we don't have them in the Navy. The Navy's talking about bringing them back. Yeah. But these things like Corvettes. Okay. I mean, they're just fast. Like super and they're fast. Fun. Yeah. And they could take two helicopters and the, and the two helicopters go out and prosecute. They, you know, their mission, our mission when I was in was we did uh, anti-ship targeting and surveillance and we did anti-submarine warfare. Mostly we did anti-submarine warfare. And, uh, um, you know, one time we were able to find a, a ballistic, a Soviet ballistic submarine off the coast of Cape Cod. And, what? Uh, but uh, he was, it was a boomer, um, you know, what they call the big, uh, the big boys, the typhoons. And uh, he, but he wanted to be seen. Okay. You know, if he didn't want to be seen, you'd never know he was there. Um, so, you know, sometimes they go out and do that. They will, they will show you where they are, but it's not, don't worry about them. Worry about the one that you don't know where they are. Is is that common to have Russian submarines like that close to the coasts of the U.S.? Listen, man, um, back during the Cold War, we played a lot of games with one another. And okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. terrible. When you hear in the when you hear in the news nowadays about like oh well, a Soviet you know or sorry um, a, a Russian plane came flew next you know near Alaska and we scrambled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. yeah. Dude, during the during the Cold War, that shit happened like multiple times. Is that a day. The, is that them just screwing with us it's when they totally do that? People screw. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, do we do that to them at least? Yeah, come on. I'm all the time. Why not? You're out of seat for a long time. You're bored. Got to figure shit out. Good. Single sea story, right? So when we were when we were out at sea, um, we were up in the North Atlantic, and there was a. The Soviets used to send out intelligence boats, and they would kind of mirror you, and they'd follow you and stuff like that. And so we would go out on the back of the flight deck on the fantail. You know, it's a very small flight deck. Yeah. But we decided one day we're gonna we're gonna mess with these guys. So we went out. <laughs> we took cardboard that we had stapled tinfoil to, and we had built these crazy things on the back of the boat. You know, and all of a sudden you see that intelligence boat come closer and closer and closer. <laughs> just being some, you know, whatever. You know, so it's it's fun. Um, that's hilarious, by the way. Um, so hold on. The so the potential sinking of this ship off the in Ukraine is does that ship actually have like a lot of military capabilities, or is it just more of a message? It's a good question. Um, does 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 the ship have capability? Yeah, like, I mean, like, like is it is it a, is it from a military strategy standpoint a big deal, or is it more like a, just like a good like a good signal that Ukraine has sunk a Russian ship? And it, like the Russian so ship doesn't really that matter. From a French perspective, this is a massive win okay. for two reasons. One, they showed that they had the tactics and capability to do it, and they showed Russian weakness. Number two, it's a huge strategic communication message back to Russia and the international community. Now, the blowback of number two is that Russia is now like, hey, you yeah. want to play games? All right, now we're going to play games. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I think it was reported in the news today that uh, Russia bombed uh, the missile factory where they suspected um, – where Russia suspects that they uh, made those anti-ship missiles. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they took out their capability. Um, what is – like how much do you know like how good is ukraine's like air air force air defense like i'm under the impression that ukraine's got like nothing and that russia is like closed skies is that is that true no one of the things that we've been very surprised about is the lack of russian air support really um and what what air support they did bring in whether or not it was fixed wing uh for from you know a fighter perspective or a you know, a ground support perspective or rotary wing helicopters. Yeah. Um, they've got, they've been getting shot out of the sky left and right. And I think, um, I'm not sure if they were just streaks. I'm not sure if they were waiting to gain control of the ground <laughs> to eliminate air defenses or if they just aren't prepared. So, I think it's the latter. I don't. I just don't think they're up to. They're ready for prime time. Is the smarter thing to do? Like I feel like what the U.S. has done in like previous like wars or whatever is take the skies first, and yeah. then and then move the ground in. Is that is that the, t- the typical tactic? Uh, for the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And control the skies first. If if I, I don't. I mean, I don't know if if this would ever happen, but if if NATO got in and enforced like a no fly zone, which I don't know if that would ever happen, but how, how detrimental would that be to like the current Russian military offensive? It doesn't sound like it would be much at all. Right. They don't have right, air right. Well, that's what Zelensky was asking for. Like a few weeks ago was like I, close yeah. the skies, but you know, I don't know. Um, Here, here's the deal. So this is about posturing and it's about, um, you know, cost benefit analysis, it's about risk. So you guys deal in some of that stuff in your civilian careers, right? You mm-hmm. kind of look at that sort of stuff. Uh, 
Putin was very smart in the beginning of all this when he threw out the rhetoric about nukes. Yeah. Because, you know, and I had a conversation as a as an army strategist because this is what we do. I mean, this is what we we analyze this shit. We're a bunch of nerds. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, yeah. So I had a conversation. I pitched a conversation to some of my community and I said, wait a minute. I said, you know, we were we were able to do it in other conflicts where we said, screw you. We're going to come in anyway. Yeah. Um, why aren't we doing it with Russia? And they all came back and said, it's a nuke issue. And I was like, listen, do you really think that Putin is going to drop a nuke, you know, whether or not it's going to be on a European city, uh, American city, or if he's going to use a tactical, meaning a small, you know, kiloton nuke on the tactical battlefield? I don't think he's going to, but I'm just a colonel, mm -hmm. you know. And the folks over at the National Security Council and the Pentagon, who are much higher ranked than me, they're not willing to take that risk. Yeah. Now, that, I don't say that in the pejorative. You know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't say in that pejorative against them um, because they're much smarter than I am. They have more information than I am. But when Putin threw that out there, he was very smart because he's reminding the international community that I have nuclear weapons yeah. and I'm willing to use them. Um, when you create something like a no-fly zone, okay, you better be prepared to defend it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. now you're talking about escalation. <laughs> yep. And if you go in, all right, let, so let's let, let's take this back a notch. Um, in Syria, Russia's in Syria, right? And they cross over into Turkey. What did Turkey do? I don't know. I don't know. You're going to tell shot us. That, no, air-to-air -air combat. Okay. Turkey jet shot down a Russian uh, jet. Was that you the know, last time? It, I think it was in 2015. Was that the last time that there was like air-to-air -air combat before this? Uh, well, no, there's been lots of air to air combat. Um, so yeah. uh, are you talking like a dog fight with guns or missiles or what? Yeah. 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 So no, um, no, there's been, there's been plenty of missile. <laughs> Dang. See, that was another thing that we were misled on. It's like, a lot of my friends were like, we're still dog fighting. I'm like, yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, listen, I, a bunch of my buddies are, you know, they're, they're jet jockeys. <laughs> First of all, once you get I've never them, heard that term. Once you get past Jet the Jack, I'm calling Spagiver that you, now. How, how do you know somebody's a fighter, a fighter pilot? They're gonna oh. tell you that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. But uh, no. So listen, a dogfight is a dogfight, and the changing technology has just now taken us from you know biplanes from World War One, yeah. dogfights with guns, to now there's a greater separation, you know, with missiles. It's still a dogfight. You're yeah. still up in the air, right? And, right. And my hats off to them because, dude, they strap on this jet that they can go, you know. Uh, multiple mocks and just turn and burn and make decisions like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but no, so Turkey shot down a Russian jet. You know, I think it was a, it was either an SU-29 or an SU-30. Um, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, and, and their relations are not all that bad. They're yeah. kind of, they're, they're frenemies, right? They're just yeah. friends, sometimes enemies, sometimes friends, uh, friends with benefits. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, they, um, afterwards, you know, Putin said to Erdogan, um, hey, we got a problem here, dude. Yeah. You know? And shortly thereafter, what did Turkey do? Turkey bought the S-400 Russian air defense system. Mm. Multiple billions of dollars. And you know what that did? What did that, that do? That cut out the F-35 potential buy. Oh, Turkey. from the... Hey. Okay. Yeah, we had CASA sanctions where we had to go in and say, all right, Turkey, you've now violated U.S law we can no longer sell certain technology and certain arms to you because you're trading or you're buying military equipment yeah, from one of our one of our enemies uh so i think that was a calculated move by putin 
I think it was sort of a uh, uh, it was a a multi billion dollar apology from Turkey over yeah, the Russia for say, shooting yeah, down the jet. Did they do that yeah. to just make up for shooting down the jet? Andy's yeah, Andy's Wikipediaing you know, this you know, that, right now. It's just sitting on a it's sitting at an airport somewhere right now. They they've turned it on, but you know um, it's not operational. Um, you know, so I, I'm not sure Turkey's Turkey's going to figure out how to try and get out of this one. But then, as you mentioned earlier. Um, Turkey shut down the straits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Turkey's been kind of guap. Turkey actually wanted to broker a peace deal before this thing even got out of control. And then once it kicked off, you know, Turkey held uh, held talks. Yeah, um, and I know Turkey that wasn't in charge. They just were the landlord for the talks. But and I know the Ukrainians are using those uh, those Turkish drones that everybody keeps talking yeah, about. Yeah. How? Okay, I have so many questions. Keep going. How? How much better? So one thing I I, I look at this conflict. And I look making, what's going we're on. We're making progress. Perfect. <laughs> and one thing I talk to my friends about: how much better? And I, you're a biased source for this, which is totally fine. But how much? And I love the term "war machine." I would use that. How much better is the U.S. war machine? than any of these countries than like Russia. Like, so, so one thing that's been surprising is we've discussed is this whole conflict is kind of exposing that Russia is not like the great massive war machine. We're brought up for them to believe how much better is the U S than the rest of these countries? Um, like, is it as, is it as, is it as good as I think it is? The it's, criticism. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty damn good. Yeah. But look, look, let's not let's not be arrogant. Um, no, I, I'm just. I mean, from like a purely like strategic, technological. From like, let's just like, what are the facts? You know. So I think some of the Western European countries are are great. Look, the the Swedes, um, you know, the Norwegians. Yeah. Uh, even the Swiss do pretty good, but the the Brits, the French, they're very good at what they do. Um, I mean, if you, if you, you know, remember that the submarine deal that just went South with Australia, yeah, yeah, yeah. the French are pretty goddamn good yeah. at uh, submarines. Um, they take too long, which is why Australia is like, screw you. Yeah. I'm going to go with the guy that can. Build yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and South America, you know, um, they do well, uh, great technology. Um, Russia, they just, they don't do the investment in their R and D. Yeah. Um, China, they just steal R and D. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Steal, is, is, China know, is China number two? Is China number two? Number two in what sense? Like just global war capability. Um, like who's the or like our it, global military technology? Yeah, like like who's the if if the U.S. is number one, who's number two? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. Or like it uh, could be a tie. Well, like who's well, well the answer that everybody says for China right now. I mean everyone like, every, I think every, China. No, no, everyone's like but I don't know. Everyone's like we don't know what China has. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a lot of uh, unknowns out there. But listen, what have we been focusing on for the past couple of years? China, China, China. Yeah, yeah, Marsha, yeah. Marsha, 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 right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep, um, yep. But guess what happened? Russia invaded Yeah, right, China. Europe. Yeah, yeah. You know, and where have we seen a lot of warfare throughout the the twentieth and and nineteenth and eighteenth century? Yeah, it's been Europe. Europe. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I was uh, I was I, I met with um, one of my classes. We brought in a speaker. Uh, I won't give you a name, but uh, he said, you know, I've been spending a lot of time trying to convince people not to make Russia ten feet tall. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. 
because everybody's like, oh, it's Russia. You know, they're so big, they're so powerful, and and it's the reality is they're not, and we're seeing that in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now that we're seeing their failures, their flaws, their inability to support logistically, you know, whatever. Um, now we're going to have to convince people that they're not two inches tall. Yeah, you know, so because they they're still a nuclear power. Yeah. Would they, we, would and, we and they care? are doing modernization of their of their nuclear force. They're doing a modernization of their naval capability that we talked about earlier. Um, their their ground forces. Uh, now that they've lost a third of it, they're going to have to rebuild. Yeah. W- would we care about Russia at all if they didn't have nukes? My personal opinion. Yeah. No. Okay. no. And, I, and I've said it. You know, I'm like, come on. <laughs> I, I mean, they got. I, I've said it. They got a GDP the size of Texas. Like. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, hey, that's a great point, man. You know, um, they don't have a lot to invest. And, right. Um, and they don't, they, pretty much the only thing they have going for them is energy. They yeah. can export yeah. energy. You know, other than that, they're just hanging out. Do you think that the Russia invading Ukraine has implications on China's trying to get Taiwan? No. Really? Yeah. You said that real fast. Yeah, no, it's because I've had a debate a lot about it in my, <laughs> in my career field. Yeah, um, like as yeah. it as in I mean, that's the easy answer, right? Yeah, we're, we we like to attribute similar actions and correct. Yes, yeah, this is a much. Here's the thing, everybody is like, oh, we need to go protect uh, Ukraine. Now, from a from a um, a values based interest, I I agree with that. If we're going to claim to be you know, the shining hill on the top of the, you know, the shining house on the top of the hill. And if we're going to claim to be the protector of the innocent, the, 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 you know, we're freer of the oppressed, um, then we probably ought to do something. Yeah. But we're not doing a lot. Um, so however, Taiwan is different, right? We actually have, we actually, we are treaty bound, not treaty bound, but we do have agreements that we're going to protect. Yeah. And we do have a greater interest by both our values based, mm-hmm. but also um, our security and prosperity. There's a huge economic interest. Yeah. The amount of trade that goes through the South China Sea yeah, is massive. Yeah. Massive. Now, people will say China and the U.S. will never go to war against one another because we're such huge trading. We, we, we rely on one another. Yeah, that's a that's an uninformed statement. Sure. But look at look at what happened between the powers in World War One. We were huge trading partners. Mm-hmm. Right? Some were democracies, some were not. Yeah. We still war against one another. Yeah. So it all depends on why you wanna why you wanna go to war. And goes back to your earlier question about why is Putin doing this? I mean, um, you know, I'll get geeky in my career field. Um, Good. If you study the Peloponnesian War, you understand who oh, Sidney right? I don't even know what that is. Peloponnesian War? Yeah, I don't That's know. That's a famous one. I don't know. So you, so, so, listen. Mark it down. <laughs> put it on your reading list, and you could, you know, throw it up while you're sitting there in the Ohio winter, running on your treadmill in the basement. <laughs> um, but or you can listen to a podcast. I'm you sure follow my podcast. Strava. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you got to follow some Strava. Yeah. We're but, uh, a lot. No, the landmark Thucydides. I, I think I might have a. Copy this is, this is like the classics. Library. I run on my treadmill in the basement all the time. He's this is he's getting into the classics. He's intelligence. Yeah, yeah. No, but there's a bumper sticker right out of uh, out of this theorist, and that is yeah. uh, countries go to war for three reasons: fear, honor, and interest. Okay, it's either you fear that somebody else is going to surpass you in power or attack you, so you're just gonna you're going to go to war. All right, and that's what happened during the Peloponnesian War. 
right? The, the Athenians against the Spartans, right? There was a fear and there was action on that. The next is um, fear, honor, okay? Honor, Spartans. You are the warriors. How dare these Athenians, you know, raise up and question our ability to, you know, control everything? Um, you know, fear, honor, and interest. And then what are your interests out there? What is it? Is it economic interest? It all depends. So um, I think we have a greater interest. Uh, I think we have some honor with regard to Taiwan. Um, I would, yeah. Good, good, yeah. good response. Here's a question for you, and I don't want to get political with this, but how would you personally judge the U.S.'s response to the conflict in Ukraine? Do you think we've done a good job? What do you think we could have done better? What do you What do you think? Gotta ask. No, that's a fair question. And again, you know, um, just remember the caveat. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I am not criticizing right. my yeah. commander in chief, the yeah. president. Maybe we don't want to put um, him in there. And, and if you um, you can, if you're like, you don't no, have to, I, you don't I, have I, to I, answer I, this listen, question. Listen, listen um, from a from a strategist point of view, I think we could have done more. Like um, in terms of given that given them there's more. There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of risk at that. Yeah. Do you want to be sucked into a war? Right. You know, listen, I spent. I spent almost four years living in Sarajevo. I was working at the U.S. Embassy in Bosnia, uh, and um, it, that was that was the my office was literally a hundred yards from the spot that Franz Ferdinand was shot. Oh wow. no! Shit! Wow! Yeah! Wow! And so every day I'd walk across the bridge. It was called the Franz Ferdinand. Yes, yeah, World War One uh, started here. Yeah. Yeah, and and so uh, Gallup Princip, you know, the Black Hand yeah. part of you know he was a Serb apparently. Um, allegedly, uh, no offense to any Serbs out there. Um, <laughs> Wait, was, but, is uh, it, is it a, is it like, I thought he was a Serb. Is it like conflicted that, that he was not Serbian? Well, it, not, it, he didn't, what my point is that he didn't commit it because he was a Serb. Oh, okay. Serbian. Fair. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Fair. Fair. So I didn't want to attribute yeah, to yeah, yeah. The, the later conflict that happened during the Balkan war. Okay. Um, but, uh, no, so I mean. So many, so many things at the start of that. Um, could we have done more in the very beginning? Yeah, I think we could have. Like, you know, uh, given uh, uh, given Ukraine more. Like, do you think that's a like a better thing? And like, and and you don't have to go into specifics, but like, are there things we could give them high level that we're not giving them? Well, so if if we understood Putin correctly uh, in the very beginning, and his big concern was don't bring Ukraine into NATO. Yeah. Okay. What what about the possibility of uh, before any of this got out of control, bringing Ukraine into NATO secretly and very quickly? (laughs) Yeah. And coming back, raising the stakes and saying they are now a NATO member. If you attack, it will be an Article five and you will have to fight all of NATO. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're past that, so we can't really do that anymore. Um, But just go, you know, it's a what if. You know, yeah. what, what, what would have happened had we done that early on? I don't know. How, um, how do you realistically see this ending and how long? Like, are we in a years I, man, long man, thing? Last here? week, it's, it's so funny you asked that. Cause last week, um, I was thinking that we were going to get into a nasty drag, you know, knock down, drag out battle in the East. That's yeah. going to be protracted. Mm-hmm. Um, listen. I mean, as much as the uh, Russians want to deny whatever's going on, 
the fact that the Balkier force came up from the north and, you know, the northwest to try to take Kiev and they got they got mired, whatever, uh, bad logistics or good Ukrainian resistance. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly the latter. Um, and then they all of a sudden stopped. They, they, and this is what the Russians do, right? They take they take a try. It doesn't work. And they're like, tactical pause. Time out. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then they regroup, they go back to headquarters and they're like, all right, fuck, we, we messed that one up. What do we do? Well, why don't we try this? And then they go do that. Um, and that didn't work. So they're like, all right, well, let's try it again. And now they're like, they're, they've changed their rhetoric. It's all about, it's always been about the East. Well, if it's always been about the East, why the fuck did you send all yeah. these troops in the West? Is that how you this is? sent them over it, here in the East in the first place. Is this and how so this now, is going to like end? Like they just, the well, Ukraine gives it, them it, the Donbass so, so area? My, no, my, so my broader point was, uh, uh, if you asked me a week ago, I thought it was just going to be a protracted war in the east. Uh, now that they've sunk their ship, uh, I think two things. One, the Russians could potentially get really, really ugly, like attacking that missile factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Maripol is done. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think the Maripol said today or yesterday is like, my city is no more. Yeah. And it's complete. It's like destroyed. Demolished. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the things that you want to do as an invader. Um, you have a choice. You can either go destroy everything and annihilate everyone, and then you have nothing left. Or if you want the infrastructure, because you actually want to keep that right. city or that region or whatever, then preserve it a bit. Yeah, They clearly they don't want to do that. Now, that is either because um, they intended to destroy it in the very beginning, or um, they just don't know what they're doing, and they got scared, and they decided to level everything. Um, so, But now that they've sunk the ship, I think we're seeing a turn— in I, the Ukrainians have proven, demonstrated the will to win. They've they've demonstrated the capability to win. They don't have a shortage of manpower. They've only lost about three thousand people. Uh, and 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 I'm quoting uh, I'm quoting Michael Kaufman, who uh, he's a Russian analyst down here. Um, you know he's a he's on War of the Rocks all the time. If you guys don't listen to that, I highly recommend War on the Rocks. War on the Rocks. Okay. Uh, yeah. They're, they probably you guys would relate to them because they talk about the subject that we're they're mm-hmm. doing exactly what we do. Yeah, over over. Oh, oh 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 rocks! Yeah. Got it. it. Like no. it. Like it. Yeah. No. So you guys would love these guys. <laughs> uh, so Ryan Evans, who owns one of the rocks, has been doing this series uh, with uh, Michael Kaufman, who is a Russian analyst. Uh, he's Ukrainian born, um, so take that context or okay. biased into into play. But um, so they've been having this great discussion and. Listen, Michael said that, um, you know, there's not a shortage of manpower in Ukraine. They have a shortage of, of weapons, kit, everything else. Yeah. Uh, right now, Russia's problem is um, they've got a shortage of manpower because yeah. they were wow. – their, their conscripts that they have, they were up for uh, their enlistments were going to end in uh, this month. So, now, but Putin, do, they have, do they have another like wave coming in? Couldn't they so, just so extend that? Happens. Yeah, here's what happens: they'll they'll draft a new set of conscripts and uh, they'll release the old set. If they decide not to release it, it's called stop loss. We do it in the U.S. Army all the time. Um, when a whole bunch of uh, if we're short in a certain um, career specialty, like a bunch of you know tankers, um, we're like, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna honor your um, your commitment. We're gonna keep you another year. You know, okay. and they're like, well, shit, you can't do that. And we're like, yeah, actually, you signed a contract. <laughs> yeah. So read the read, – anybody who's going to join the military, read the dotted line. Uh, but uh, yeah, so – but I think Putin changed his mind. He let the conscripts go. Uh, oh, okay. So they're bringing in new conscripts. 
But here's the deal, man. You know how much shit they have lost in this battle so far? Uh, like I said earlier, it's not just a third of their ground force. It's it's a third of their equipment. And we're talking tanks, wow. artillery pieces, helicopters, armor personnel carriers, logistics trucks, which they didn't, as you know, you pointed out earlier, they didn't have enough of. So, yeah, it's not it's not pretty. So is uh, like from an equipment perspective, this the the types of equipment that they invaded Ukraine with, is that like the best of the best? That, of, that was that that's a good Russian, question. The Russian military has that's the most advanced like weapons and technology that they have. Uh, they led with it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Some of their forces. I was googling those switchblade drones. I know those are pretty cool. Those are pretty bad. I mean, you know, they, they, I don't want to glorify. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't want to glorify death and destruction, but those switchblade drones we've given them more of, like that is that's pretty ingenious. I just learned that they had like different types of warheads for them too. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where does, where did the U S get all these like Soviet era helicopters that we're giving to Ukraine right now? We're doing that. Yeah. It's part of the new weapons package. Like where, how do we get that stuff? Do we, would we have bought that off of like Russia way back when? Yeah. Or Listen, a lot of equipment comes from friends and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. That, that are former, listen, everybody buys everybody's military equipment, right? Mm-hmm. They totally do. I mean, it's just a, it's a. It's a free market economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and if you recall, Poland offered up a bunch of fighter jets. Yeah, early, MiGs, yeah. You know, and and called the Pentagon and said, hey, I want to offer up a whole bunch of MiGs. Uh, we'll send them over to Ramstein, and you guys can, you know, uh, give them to the Ukrainians. You can either send them to Ukraine or you can keep them wherever you want to keep them. And, and, and we immediately said, no, no, no way. You know, because that's dangerous. Well, it's about, yeah. it, it goes back to the no-fly zone, right? Yeah. It's about escalation. Um, we initially had said we're not going to, we tried to conceal a lot of what we were doing, you know, with javelins and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then I, Jake Sullivan, the, um, you know, did you guys see the, uh, 60 minutes piece, uh, this past Sunday? I yeah, saw, I, I did. Saw after I saw, the yeah. From it, but yeah. yeah that, that was thing. really, it was really nice. Right. Yeah. You know what? Remember what, uh, remember what he said that, uh, the reporter, I can't remember the reporter's oh, name. Who was that? <sighs> uh, but he said, uh. You know, these guys are pretty much trained by the California National Guard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they're trained by a lot of other folks, too. Well, I also... Uh, but no, California California has a partnership program. Yeah, I learned with, about uh, this. Yeah. That different National fact, Guards... I was at a dinner, I was at a yeah. dinner last night uh, for honoring a bunch of... Um, a bunch of Muslim countries because, you know, we're in Ramadan right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're honoring a bunch of uh, Muslim countries from uh, um, the state partnership program. for uh, We had an iftar dinner. It was great. You know, That's good partnerships. Cool. And and that program actually started after the fall of the Soviet Union because you had Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, which were very, you know, important countries, but they didn't have infrastructure. They didn't know how to, you know, run a country, right? Because the Soviets mm-hmm. ran everything. And as soon as the Soviets fell, they walked away. Yeah. And so we quickly were like, the U.S. and the West were like, we ought to help them out. And everybody's like, oh, send active army and everybody else in. It's like, well, that's a little, you know, that's a little in your face to the... Um, um, to the Soviets or former Soviets. And they're like, well, why don't we use the National Guard? You know, and it turned out, so now there's like 80, 80 plus partnerships across the world. Is there, um, do you think like in terms of U.S. involvement in the current conflict, like do we, do we have like CIA guys? Yeah, so, there? so I, right? so I was just going to say, I appreciate the transparency around like what we are providing to Ukraine, but I'm not, I'm also not stupid enough to believe that 
there's probably like we probably have some ground. Like we got some CIA dudes over there, right? Oh, I'm right. Sure. I'm sure. I would think. I don't know. You don't have to answer that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> there's something I want to ask him about. That's Go not. It. not yeah. No, it's not related to Ukraine. So right. we can, if you have any more Ukraine questions. No, I just like it's good hearing a perspective about somebody a little bit more in the know because, like, I don't know what to trust about like what we see. Yeah, what's here. a good news source for this stuff? Well, there's multiple. Um, so, so actually, CNN is is doing a pretty good job. You know, they got a, some. That's a very leftist statement of you. I'm, yeah, jo- I'm well, joking. You know. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I have a buddy whose uh, whose wife works there. Um, it, so here here's my suggestion. Go to a bunch of different news sources okay, from okay. different countries like and then you make your own decision. Okay, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, because if you read one or the other, um, and, and listen, this week I was teaching a class all about, you know, information warfare and mm-hmm. how the Russians and the Chinese, you know, how they're manipulating things when they're not yeah. as bot, using AI, what have you. And, um, you know, I mean, the Chinese were, have been putting out a story that Russia invaded Ukraine because of the U.S. <laughs> You know, it's like, Amazing. all right, well, that's not believable yeah. whatsoever. Oh, China. Um, okay, there's something I wanted to talk to him about. Elon Musk. Nope. Twitter. Nope. Okay. I almost warned you before we went live, and I forgot to. But <laughs> I legitimately want your thoughts on the UFO thing. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and I want them, like... Not Bigfoot? You don't know no, no, Bigfoot? no, because the Pentagon... The U.S. military for the last several years has admitted that UFOs are a real thing. Longer than that. Well, yeah, but it's been in the mainstream. Uh, oh, 2017. Oh, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And then there was some more stuff they admitted. They There was some more stuff that was, I don't know, I don't think declassify is the correct term, but there was some more stuff came out this like week or two ago about it. <sighs> I'm, I'm not trying to make you sound like a kook or anything like that. But, but I, Wait. Before you ask your question, I want to ask you something. What are you guys drinking? Uh, we're drinking Moscow Mules. That's very Russian of us, by the way. Because <laughs> you guys haven't recharged at all. No, no, no. no, no. I'll be, I'll be, I'll well, be very honest with you. On. There was strategy. We for poured this. insanely strong drinks because prior we, to this yeah. because we're like, we don't want to be. I don't want to be refilling during this. Yeah. Uh, no, there, there was, was a discussion. I, I think I, I, think I met, mentioned to you in our email exchange. Uh, that I called in during the five hour. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, did you, was Bryce on during your five yes, hour? Yes, mm-hmm. he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I called in because I had the moose story from Vermont. Oh, that's right. Okay. I was skiing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a moose came by and it was yeah. so cold, folks. But uh, yeah, so hey, my hat's off to you guys. Well done uh, on your podcast, first of all. Your great success. But my, my hat's off to you for that five-hour marathon. That was awesome. Hey, man. That was, that was fueled by During alcohol. COVID, you really made a, a lot of Friday night. My wife was like, what are you doing? I was like, don't worry about it, honey. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, man, we were No, we, we were uh, before this, yeah, literally upstairs, we poured, like, very, very strong drinks because I was like, Andy, we're not, we're not stepping away from this. But this wasn't, we weren't drinking Moscow mules. We were drinking Kentucky mules. We were drinking, true, they were Kentucky mules, uh, which is yeah. a Moscow mule with bourbon instead of tequila. Which bourbon? Which bourbon are you drinking? Uh, we were literally drinking my batch of Maker's Mark that we oh, dipped yeah, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. The one uh, you got from the, yep, uh, from yeah. the yep. distillery. It's a yeah, good mixing. Uh, we don't like to mix really nice bourbon with 
things like ginger beer. So I was like, we got the the shill. The shill. I started to go to scotch and rye because I, I just found rye. the bourbon. Look, you know, look at him dodging the UFO question. <laughs> no, I'm gonna come back. I, I'm <laughs> totally joking. No, I love. I, I was, I was just totally having, joking. I was just having a conversation about how much I like rye. Yeah, it's good. I like the sweetness. Oh, that's wheat. What's the sweet one? That's rye, sweet. right? Sweet. No, no. Yeah. no. Bourbon's very, very sugary. Yeah. yeah. And no. that's why I kind of stopped drinking it because I would drink it and I would have such a massive hangover. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. but I drink, I drink really good scotch or I drink a really nice rye. What's your really nice rye? Bad, you know? Yeah. What's your nice rye? Uh, so I like a 12 year whistle pig. Oh, okay. we, we don't drink enough whistle pig. You know, you can get, you can readily get whistle. I know you can too. get whistle pig here, but we don't, and they make good things. Hey, good things. So, so I went out. I went out the other night. Um, it's my birthday the other week, and my wife took me out to dinner. Happy, happy birthday! Thanks, buddy. Um, so, I go to the bar. You know, we sit down. We go to this really great French bistro, and it's completely empty. It's a Monday night, so whatever. Um, and I was like, "Honey, I'm just going to walk over to the bar to see what they have." You know, because they never have a proper list. Like, you know? <laughs> so I walk over, and I'm looking, and I say, hey, what do you got up there? And he's like, I got, you know, Macallan 18, Macallan 12. I was like, what are, you, what are you charging for a glass of, you know, Macallan 18? He's like, oh, that'll be uh, $25. And I was like, I've got two bottles at home. Screw that. I'm not going to do that. So I go to the table, and I'm like, I'll have a, um, let me have a uh, whistle pig, you know, neat. Brings it back. I get the bill. Charged me $35. Ooh. Because he gave me the 12 year and not the 10 year. Oh. I was like, 35 bucks? This is, I, yeah. so I, I have, whenever I go out and I drink whiskey at like a restaurant, I drink the cheapest stuff that they got because their top shelf stuff, like if they had an Eagle Rare or some type of Weller, they're charging like $25 a pour. Tell you what, man. I'm like, no. Las Vegas at Wolfgang Puck Steakhouse, McKenna 10. $14. That's pretty good. Well, well, Amazing yeah. for nice. Vegas. That's do you it. know do you know Winking Lizard in Columbus has Blantons for $8 a pour? What? Yeah. Can I just buy 20 pours? <laughs> Give me the so, bottle? Yeah. So in Virginia, in, I, I don't know about you. You can guys, get Blantons in Virginia, Virginia right? It's very hard to get certain. No, it's very hard to get Blantons. Oh. It's very hard to get Pappy. Um, yeah, matter of fact, I was just in this month's lottery for yeah. uh, Pappy Van Winkle and uh, you know, both bottles and, uh, I didn't win. I never win. I got the rip. Uh, I got the old rip. You can't see it. I got the rip yeah. 10 year. It's as good as advertised, man. It's so, so have you ever had any of those? No, never. I've had Blanton's. Okay. Uh, uh, we play, I play poker with a bunch of friends and yeah. one night this guy showed up with the, he, he actually had a bunch of Blanton's and he showed up with an entire bottle and just started like pouring Blanton's is good Bl- at him like, yeah. Blanton's is good we, we can get Blanton's for 55 bucks well I mean when you can find it when you can find it here you get it for MSRP which is which is like 49.99 or like 52 bucks but Blanton's is good but the Pappy and I've got the Rip which is the lowest tier of the Pappy that stuff's as good as advertised I mean I wouldn't spend a thousand dollars on a bottle but like it's it's just so smooth yeah. I don't know how it's the limestone water. I don't know how they do it. So, so you guys haven't you guys haven't um, haven't dove into the scotch? No. So what's interesting? No, that's though, the the next. So, that's the logical evolution. See, here. See, so I like think a, he's about to you know he's about to be a converted. No, no, disciple. I was yeah no. It's like a couple of years ago, I was at a work happy hour and they started. They ordered Macallan Twelve, and it was. That was my first time drinking like a non-smoky scotch, and it was excellent. We yeah. should do a scotch next time. And Macallan, am I right in saying Macallan Twelve is pretty readily available? 
So, so a buddy of mine, um, he was my previous boss and he just came back from England and every time they go out and fly, he's a, you know, he's a strike Google guy and they get back and fly and they, you know, listen, the Brits do it right. As soon as you land, you go right into the, the bar, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, the squatter yeah. bar. And the standard is McAllen 12. Okay. Everything is measured off McAllen 12. You either, you either elevate off of it okay. or you, or you auger into the ground. And, uh, yeah. Uh, McAllen 12 is, is a standard. It's just a great drink. And, and so Lagavulin 16, everybody says that, you know, which is my drink of choice. My bourbon of choice is, uh, is Woodford. Mm-hmm. I like Woodford's I good. I, yeah. I love Woodford. And, uh, so sea story, I'm down in, uh, Bermuda a couple of years ago, uh, because of the, what was it? Zika. The, mm-hmm. and, oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So my wife is, um, she's pregnant with our second. And we're like, we, she's like, I want to take a damn vacation. We couldn't go anywhere. So the one place where Zika wasn't happening Bermuda. Bermuda. Yeah. So we go to Bermuda. We're having a great dinner one night and we've got, you know, we've got the younger kid. I I don't remember how old he was at the time, but, um, we're having a good dinner. We finish and I order a glass of, I ordered double, you know, give me a double Woodford, drink it down. We're just enjoying Cause we're walking back to the hotel across the street and stuff. And, uh, the guy behind me, I hear this American voice, big Southern deep accent. (laughs) He goes, How'd you like that? <laughs> I said, like, it's good. It's my drink of choice. I said, you like it? And he goes, I'm a Woodford's only corn grower. No, Whoa. no shit. Yeah. So he was the, he was, he was the, the only supplier for Woodford. And of course you got to imagine this guy's making bank. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, I'm looking at him like, you're going to buy me another. <laughs> wow. With how big Woodford that's is. That's pretty cool. That's pretty crazy. He's in Bermuda. Think. Yeah, of course he's in Bermuda. Yeah. Hanging yeah. out. Super nice place. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. Exactly. Yeah. But no, so Lagavulin 16, everyone says it's really, really peaty. Um, yeah. I don't, so I think it's really, it's so smooth. It smells peaty, but when you taste it, rolls right off the tongue. I'll get a, I'll we'll get have a, to, we'll I'll have get a to bottle. a scotch live yeah, stream. I, we'll start. Just see us we'll, like, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the smoky scotch. I can't, yeah. I can't, I'm not there yet. I'm not. I tried. Uh, my brother-in-law gave me some Lafroy. And it was rough. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, Lafroig is is Ooh. nasty. Yeah, yeah. that hurt. So, are UFOs real? <laughs> All right, well, yeah. Let's go back to that. Let's well, go back to that, and then I do want to ask you a question, if I can. Okay. All right. So let's go to the UFOs. Uh, I have no knowledge whatsoever, but I agree with you, and I have lots of friends who are flyers. Okay. Uh, whether or not they are you know, fighter pilots or strategic flyers in the nuke force who are up in the air for a long, long time or logistic pilots flying C-17, C-5s or whatever. And these guys are up forever, Yeah, you know, and some of them are reserves who are also airline pilots flying, you know. When you say like the nuke force are, uh, dude, does that mean like we got planes that are just up there circling? We don't, we don't like we used to back in the, back in the day. Like when my father was in the air force, he was out at Minot air force base Big B fifty two strategic air command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and these guys, the old doctrine was we will have planes in the air twenty four seven. Okay. You know. That makes sense given the costly. given the yeah. climate of the time. Okay. Yeah. So um but no, you know, all of my friends, whether or not commercial or military pilots who have been up there, uh, we've had great conversations about this. Some sober, some not so sober. Yeah. And, uh, but a lot of them have said, Yeah, they've seen some weird shit. Like people you know personally. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've seen the footage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The footage that DOD has released. Now, if – look, 
you talk about the Bigfoot stuff. I think one just came out again, right? Yeah, I did see something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to say like it's aliens. Like I'm not saying that. No, 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 no. I'm not making that connection. I'm just saying that uh, there's conspiracy out there. And sometimes there are assholes who create um, video footage, fake video footage uh, that, you know, just tries to support the conspiracy theory. Right. But there are actual, I mean, listen, you can't get around when um, you have a nose camera off a jet. You can't get around off cell phone footage that somebody's on an airplane. is like, hey, that shit was weird that we just saw. Yeah. And, and look, to think that we're the only ones out here in this vast universe, well, that's kind of arrogant. It's true. Mm-hmm. If, let's say it's not aliens. Let's take aliens off the table. What do you think this, this shit is? Is it China? Is it another country? Is it well? So go back to go back to the Skunk Works program. Yeah, like is, know, is it us? And it's just really crazy stuff. Area fifty one. Yeah, um, we're constantly testing shit. Right, right. So sometimes you see things that you just don't understand. You know, go back to the railgun issue. Go back to railguns. You know what, He's saying you know what we're, you know we're dealing with right now over the past couple of years with the guys. You know what was it down in Cuba and somewhere else? You know, the U.S. diplomats who were having problems. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait. I thought uh, it was crickets. It's like the sound, the sound, right? I thought, it, I thought it's crickets. Oh, no. So it's it's absolutely out in the out in the media that the, the Russians have been testing, you know, behavioral modification I forgot technology. about this. Yeah. It's, I thought it was disproven do as you, crickets. Um, do you, and in, in you don't, do not talk about specifics, but in your role in the military, does this sort of stuff ever come up? Uh, UFOs? Yeah. Or the, or the stuff in Cuba, or like, does any like weird paranormally? Oh, Cuba re- thing does. No, what, Cuba thing definitely does. One of my buddies just got back from overseas, and um, he got back, and he's, uh, he said, uh, I said, are you back for, you know, a job reason? He's like, he's like, partly, and I was like, you know, I could tell something was going on. I was like, what's the other part? And he goes, health reasons. I was like, oh, dude, you're all right? <laughs> and he goes, well, I was over there, and I lost my hearing. Oh shit! Great, you know, great headaches and everything else. And I was like, you know, he's like, I've been to medical, and and he's not, he's no longer a government employee or anything like yeah. that. Um, he's a dependent of of a government employee, and um, he's like, yeah, no. So I think I was targeted, and I'm all fucked up now. Like his hearing has started to come back in one ear, and it hasn't come back in the other. What What um, is the like? I, I all I've heard. Is there's like sounds being assaulting people in Cuba? Is, is it Russia? Yeah. Do we think it's that? Well, they're do we try- know? Do we know what it is? We don't know what it they're is, trying, right? They're trying to say they're trying to say it's a bunch of crickets. Well, it's clearly not. But, uh, These wait, dudes are losing When you their say hearing. they, they're trying to say it's a bunch of crickets. Who are they? The uh, some media sources and some I mean, crickets and some ain't, government sources. Crickets ain't U.S. government or Russian government. I think it was U.S. Are government. you are you into the Russian propaganda, Eddie? <laughs> no, no. Are you watching RT? You're watching <laughs> RT. You're aren't you? No, no. Come I on, actually, no. I this th- has been going on for a while yeah, too, right? Yeah, the thing in Cuba. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I think. Um, and actually, I think that there was. Uh, Okay, don't quote me on this. I know there was a sixty I'm minute. Quote you on it. Okay. I don't know where I quote you. <laughs> you yeah, you, quote you, 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 actually, you didn't quote me. I know so Andy, Andy Schill, he's saying it's Russians. No. Yeah. So there, there was some news source, a credible news. No, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no such thing as credible news sources now. Um, yeah, you got to listen to everything and then make your own decision. But some source was trying 
multiple sources have have said that and according to i think some u.s agency came out and said that there was some like natural phenomenon amongst a shitload of crickets that happen to make some noise that's been recorded multiple times that is similar to the noise that some of these people in cuba are reporting as like hearing i forgot all about this yeah like I remember years on, ago. Man. Hey, hey, I, I'm on the conspiracy train You're though. I'm on the Russia. I'm on the Russia guy, train. You know. Have you um have you seen anything backpacking that was kind of weird? No, I haven't. But I did. Uh, did you guys listen to this? I can't remember who the podcast. I don't know whether it was Outside Magazine or another. I can't remember who it was. But this uh, there was a podcast that connected owls. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with with aliens. Oh, and then like every time an owl shows up, there's an alien sighting nearby. But it was a really well done. I want to say it was outside because it was like an NPR. Yeah, you know how NPR does. You know, it just yeah, yeah, yeah. really well done. Yeah, um, podcast. But uh, not saying your podcast is not well done. But I mean, it's you know, it's, it's uh, we're not NPR level. We're in my basement right now, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am too. So. It's true. <laughs> but yours is much better. It's <laughs> just the backdrop <laughs> looks nice. That's it. It's still a basement. <laughs> That's the other thing. You guys are going to be overwhelmed with kids' toys. Yes, yes uh, my upstairs, my upstairs is already like that. I've, 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 I've lasted down here as like the last bastion of of adult freedom, and we'll see, uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Look, so, uh, so what? How old is she? She's she almost two. two. Oh man, she's young. This is like you're about to enter the the fun. Well, as far as I hear, with girls, you're about to enter the fun age because they get they, you know, um. They really are just lovable, adorable, and uh, stuff. But boys, it, and Andy, what do you what do you have? He's got, boy. got a boy, eight months. Yeah, yeah. So my boys, <laughs> my boys, I like that as a They turned into monsters, fucked. you know, <laughs> nonstop. From the moment those little guys wake up, it's like. And I was talking with my sister the other day, and she might be listening uh, up in Canada, but um, they. From the moment they wake up until the moment they go to bed, they are fighting. <laughs> I mean, attacking one another. Like, ah. I, was, I called my sister the other day, and I said, uh, "I said, wow, oh, these guys are killing me." You know, I, I'm, I'm at wit's end, and uh, she just laughs. And I said, "What? Are you, you know, what are you laughing at?" And she goes, "Oh, when you and your brother, when we were all kids, we would sit and watch cartoons, and when the commercial came on, it was like." One end of the couch to the other. We'd meet in the middle, and we would wrestle and fight. Beat and the shit out of each other. Yeah, that's funny. I've heard, I've heard girls are, like, really nice, like what you're saying, but then when the teenage years hit, it kind of flips. So yeah, that's what I've yeah. been told. We'll see. Um, all right, man. Well, is, hey, I, I want to ask you the yeah, question. I, yeah, you want to ask, ask? Yeah, fire away. Yeah. So what do you guys got on the docket? What are you guys doing for hikes? Wow. So we uh, literally... Um, a few days ago, several things. So we're going, uh, we haven't, so that the next thing next month, uh, we're going somewhere for multiple days. It's either going to be West Virginia or Pennsylvania. We haven't totally knocked that out yet. It's, it's hard right now. Um, the next thing we just booked is, uh, right after 4th of July, we're going back to Colorado, uh, nice. for four or five days. And then the next thing after that, we got our permits. We got our Yosemite permits. 
Oh, for nice. the uh, yeah end nice. of uh, I'm gonna ask you the same question. So the end of like August, early September, we're going out there. So we've got like a Midwest thing in May. Um, we'll we'll do a probably something in Ohio in June, and then July we're going to Colorado, and then August we're going to Yosemite. So we're just now like trying to buy plane tickets before they get like egregiously expensive. I know. Um, I know. I, we're looking at vacation this summer and. You know, we're looking at going over to Europe and spending about oh, a month nice. and just renting a house and stuff. But um, the well, prices for houses are great, but it's the airlines. Yeah, yeah, getting over there. I mean, it's just massive. What uh, what what backpacking trips? What, when are you taking? You're going to take your son on an actual like yeah, so, warm weather so I've trip? I've got to focus only on small, short backpacking stuff. Yeah, it's going to be you know out to either Dolly Sod or doing small section of the AT. Nice. How far yeah. is Dolly Sods um, from you? So I can get there in less than three hours. Oh, that's, that's nice. great. That's nice. Yeah, dude, yeah, West Virginia. I matter of fact, I had dinner last night with uh, the West Virginia Adjutant General, um, oh. who is the commander of the West Virginia National Guard. Nice. And um, he and I were talking about it. You know, I said, hey, you know, I go out to Dolly Sods all the time. You know, my sister's got a cabin at the ski, you know, place at Timberline. Right oh, there. nice. Yeah. And you guys are big skiers too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I have as well. I've been skiing since I was six and nice. skiing on the world. Um, so, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, that place is great. And uh, so they built, West Virginia built this highway coming off of Route 81, which is the north-south uh, highway right in between West Virginia and Virginia. And they built this direct highway going right out towards Canaan Valley. And you can get there. Oh, yeah. It used to take you five hours. Yeah. You had to go back roads. I mean, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Now you're there in less than three hours. That's awesome. that's awesome. I wish we had that. Check out. Have you been cranberry? How if, if, you guys, you get Dolly Sauce. Five. It's like five. Yeah, which isn't bad. I mean, considering the quality. But you also, I mean, where you are, you got Virginia, you've got the Carolinas, you have much yeah. better access. You've got, to you got all, you've got all the AT stuff. Um, probably, probably the only South that I've done is um, uh, Old Rag in Virginia, which is kind of at the base of Shenandoah Trail. Mm. But, um, but mostly, so I grew up out towards Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and I go out in the, uh, you know, um, in the Appalachians, you know, Contocton Mountains area time. You know, it's, it's not great, but it's a small hiking. It's good. It's all, they it, just don't let you camp. So you got a stealth camp. Ah, uh, it's, hey, it's, it's all better than Ohio where we probably have the worst backpacking. Indiana. No, I always no, joke. Indiana and Illinois. Illinois, is, uh, Illinois has got Shawnee National Forest. But, you guys have done the UP, right? Yes, yeah. uh, a few so times. Cool. I've yeah. been talking with my sister. I really want to get up to it's the UP. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, very short season if you want to do it in the summer, <laughs> but it be, it's far from you, honestly. Uh, yeah. it, it's well, like, that's going to be an adventure. It's super far from us, but the UP is gorgeous. Um, yeah, so my plan is um, to, to get right to it. My plan is when I retire, and I'm going to retire probably soon. PCT. Yeah. Uh, Are you doing the PCT? Are you doing the AT? You through hacking? Definitely definitely not going to do the at oh yes yes he's one of us he's one of us everybody and their brother does the at yeah and i was born and raised on the east coast and i lived in new england forever uh i'll do the long trail before i do the at nice but um but yeah it's i'm deciding right now between the pct and the you know the continental divide so um Hey man, I, we're, we're gonna send you some resupplies when you're yeah. out there. We'll send you whatever. We'll send you a bottle of scotch. I, I mean, yeah. I, the the PCT. I mean, the PCT is has got a, a massive community too. But 
I just like I just can't get over how awesome it is the the types of biomes that you hike. Yeah, through. especially if you're coming from the eastern U.S. like we yeah. are, it's like totally different. Uh, yeah. Good. I mean, so everybody's like, "Don't do the don't do the CDT," and I'm like, "Why?" I mean, you know, they're like it's a lot well, of road walking, a lot of and road drinking walking. from those cow things, you know, those big cow troughs. I don't know. Right, like, like New uh, Mexico, so, a lot of so road my, walking. So yeah. my grandparents, my grandparents uh, had a ranch out in uh, Missouri, and as uh, small kids, we used to swim in those things. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah do you want to do you want to drink out of them? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, filter it, Sawyer squeeze, baby. Yeah, I, I yeah the the thing that's that that uh, is a little freaky about the CDT and like I watched, I followed Ivy Tats. I yeah, all if you're, uh, I mean, Ivy yeah. CDT series is really good. If you're, I mean, if you're curious mul- about the, CDT. The, the multiple videos where he walked, I mean, he in, encounters from a safe distance grizzlies and that would just, yeah, the Northern part of the yeah. CDT. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The dinner, the dinner I was at last night, a couple of the uh, guys from the, the Muslim countries, we were talking about hiking and stuff and uh, they started asking about bears and they're like, are, are bears a problem around here? And we, you know, the, the adjutant general from West Virginia and I were like, no, they're like, oh, well, I went out to Yellowstone and I was like, oh, well, that's a different, <laughs> that's story. A different yeah. story than the black yeah. bears. Yeah. 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 That's and you guys funny. were talking the other week about the, uh, the, what was it? 238 that woman used on the moose. It was a 380, right? The 380. It was a 380. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably we, a bad choice. Yeah. yeah. In hindsight, I think that was yeah. a poor choice. No, like I said, that's a, that's a good caliber to kill yourself when you're being eaten alive. So. All right. On that note. <laughs> um, all right. Um, all right. We're going to wrap this up. Okay. John, stay on the line. Yeah. Stay yeah, on the line, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, everyone else, thank for thank you for watching. Yeah. This is good. I, I feel like as this. Did we have, so I didn't have the live chat. Did we have numbers tonight? Uh, Nobody there, cares about a, No, no. There's a bunch of people. If you go back and rewatch this, Andy and I, we have big, there's a lot of comments. We have ignored them completely. Uh, for third, third comment was Brittany's pregnant. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I <laughs> saw that. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is. Um, Before or after she did the role in the beach with the... I saw kids. that. I saw that. Oh, yeah. See, he's plugged in. Um, there there are a lot of comments. Go back. No, no, I don't like blondes, but she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about her, man. Yeah. I watch, uh, watch this. <laughs> uh, no, go back if you're curious. Read the comments. There's a ton of them. We've been ignoring okay, them. Okay, one one comment that I want to address. Okay, here. David Fink says he's commenting on different bourbons, and he says the Old Weller Antique is the same recipe as Pappy, and it's and it's way cheaper. It yeah, may, we heard that when we were hold, there. Hold on a second. It may be the same. The it may be the same recipe, but it's not like aged the same way. I mean, we drink. We heard that. When we were we drink antique so all I tell the you time. What, listen, why don't you and I send him our addresses <laughs> and he can send us a bottle and we'll test it. Yeah. I mean, we, we Unopened can get, bottle. Yeah. Send us a, send us a bottle of Pappy and we can get antique every Saturday. So it's yeah, not, exactly. it's not hard here. So yeah, this is, yeah. And everybody's commenting in the chat now about you, exo- you ignored us. And well, sorry. That's, that's life. Yeah. Sometimes. Get over it. I mean, listen, if you can't, if you, if you, on a Friday night, if you can't take some time and talk about what's going on in the world, which could potentially explode into World War III, yeah, then you might want to rethink your priorities. Well, I think like Kevin and I always get going on these rants, and then we're thinking like, are we are the things that we're saying is this accurate? Because like, are we being 
are we being led astray? Are we? <laughs> no, and that's why that's why I reached out. That's, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely why I reached out. And again, I don't know everything, and it's my view. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I've had plenty of conversations with friends all around the community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just look. We don't know why the hell they're doing what they're doing, but I do know this: is that U- Ukraine is a great country. Yeah, I've got plenty of friends uh, from Ukraine, or I've served in Ukraine, and. They're getting the shit killed out of them mm-hmm. by these guys and for no reason. Yeah. For no reason. They're and just I, dying. I, and if you watch – if if any – everybody that's listening right now or is going to watch it later, go back and watch the 60-minute Zelensky I saw that. Interview. Yeah. Go back and watch that. If you don't walk away from that saying, I'm ashamed that we didn't do more as the superpower of the world, then there's something wrong with you. Could you uh... – could you imagine being like a 17 or 18 year old Russian conscript in like an armored personnel carrier? Just being like, are you kidding me? Riding through Ukraine? Just like, did you listen? Did you listen to that? Um, that audio um, cut the, from, the, the phone call, the dude calling his mom, calling his mom. Yeah. yeah. Where he's like, Hey, I killed civilians. You know, I committed a war crime. He didn't say that, but he's like, Hey, I killed civilians. I'm really, you know, straw and in her mind because everything they're feeding them back home is like she says you're fine they're traitors they're nazis really what what is that country's being what is that about why it's it's that why what's what's the one you it's the one unit that what's the rhetoric about ukrainians being nazis what's that about that that's the narrative that the Russians are using. Why they're, why did why Nazi are they by Ukraine because they're being led by Nazis? Okay, is that that's not real though. Right? Well, I, okay, like no, they're not, no, 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 they're not being Putin's, led by Nazis. Go back to Putin's mentality. Yeah. yeah. Right? What do the Russian people know? That they've been invaded by Nazis. The last time they were invaded, it was by Nazis. Yeah. Right? True. So that's what that's what they've been taught in school. So if I use that narrative and go back and say. I'm going to go with what you know, and you can hate these guys. I'm going to use it. But it's about do, crowdability. Do you think if the, the video um, doesn't match the audio, then you're just a moron. Did and, the, and um, proving to be kind of a moron. Did, um, like, is the, is the Russian population, like, largely behind this? Like, does the propaganda work that well? No. It's what I said earlier. Yeah. It's about, it's about, you know, the will of the people and, and, Russia is fighting an unlimited war. Ukraine's fighting a, uh, sorry, Russia is fighting unlimited. Yeah. Ukrainians are fighting unlimited. They're all in, you know, because they need to win. They need to live. Russians, they don't fucking know. Yeah. It's like the U.S. and Vietnam. I mean, we're sending guys over there. Yeah. For years and years, and they're just dying. And what That's are they dying for? Interesting. And Ho Chi Minh's parallel. like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill every single American you send, you know. So. Do you, that's a really interesting parallel. Like, is it, is the, is Russia going into Ukraine as much of a quagmire as the U S going into Vietnam or, 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 Iraq, Iraq, yeah. or Afghanistan? Yeah. Yeah. Name the quagmire. You know? Um, what, what would it take for the U S to get actually involved in this? Attacking NATO. Like, is that what it is? Or is it chemical weapons? Or is it like some egregious human rights violation? Well, there was, a, there was an accusation of um, right. the Russians using chemical weapons right. in Mariupol, right? Right, right. 
Yeah. And um, hasn't our administration said like that's a firm that's a that's a line in the sand? Yeah, but they So also- I had a great conversation the other day with one of my one of my students, um, who's a State Department guy. And I, I firmly believe that if you look at what the UN just did, okay, this Security Council is gonna be very constrained by doing what they can do. All right. Why? Because Russia's on it. And anytime <laughs> one member of the Security Council yeah. vetoes, it's it's done. Yeah. But if the main body be, you know, votes on something like they did to boot Russia out of the, you know, the Human Rights Council. I mean, I, I think it's probably appropriate. Yes, yeah, it, seems, so it seems appropriate. That, that called, do you guys remember, did you guys ever see the movie? Um, and I said this to my students. Do you guys ever uh, watch the movie um, 13 Days? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yes. yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. You remember the conversation? There were two conversations, really. One uh, really, the one I'll talk about is where the, the character that was playing uh, Secretary of Defense McNamara was having the conversation with the chief of naval operations. And they're in the the, the operations center in the Pentagon, right? Uh, and the chief of naval operations is on the phone with the boat who's out, you know, the ship. Sorry to all my Navy friends. With the ship <laughs> that's that's out getting ready. He's paralleling, you know, mirroring the uh, the Russian trawler or freighter. And he says, clear your guns. And he shoots a star cluster. And Secretary McNamara freaks out. What are you doing? Yeah, that wasn't my order. He's like, hey, no, we're just, we're just sending a message. And he goes, and he starts screaming at him and, and, and talks, you know, addresses him down and says, hey, this is language. Okay, everything we're doing, guys, is language nowadays. You know, so every action we do, every action we don't do is language that we're communicating. When... When um, when a State Department rep uh, said in, I think, 1990 or 1989 that Kuwait wasn't that important, Saddam Hussein invaded. Yeah. When Dean Acheson, okay, said about South Korea that it wasn't all that important to us, North Korea invaded. When we communicated that we're not going to do X, Y, and Z with regard to Ukraine— Putin invaded. Communication, words have meaning. My, my wife is a lawyer, so words have meaning, my friends. My wife is a lawyer as well. Nice. We should start Sorry. a club. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the lawyer husbands. We'll take them, we'll take them skiing. They can sit in the lounge by the fire while we, while we rip some uh, turns. Yeah. <laughs> my wife actually really enjoys skiing. True story. She? Yeah, she does. We does got her out poker? there. What? Does she play poker? No, does yours? Yeah, yeah, she's so good. <laughs> that's that pretty funny. Poker. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Enough. We've been going for a while. Oh my god, almost two hours. For, uh, um, yeah. Apple's not going to like this. Stay, stay on the line, John. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, we're probably going to have to have him back on. As yeah, you're going to be our. You're going to be our. Uh, Foreign policy. Yeah, who foreign policy correspondent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I really do uh, appreciate you taking yeah. the time to school us on all this stuff, and yeah, it's, it's really and you yeah, know it's not schooling, and I'm not the expert. Maybe. No, but you know it's more than a, us. It's a different yeah. opinion. And uh, we we should have said this up front, but thank you for your service to this country. Hey, thanks, yes, man. Absolutely. That that's right. something that kind of goes without saying, and that's you know. Hey. So, so listen, I went to that retirement ceremony I mentioned in the beginning. I went to that retirement ceremony today. And, you know, I've been, I'm so, I was in the first Gulf War. Uh, 
Iraq, Afghanistan. I was off the coast of Haiti. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff, um, regardless of whatever, you know, position I was in. I wasn't a, you know, wasn't a CEO. I wasn't a ranger dropping in or whatever. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff for a long time. And it doesn't matter. The retirement ceremony I went to today, this guy, I mean, the stuff he's done, 30-year career, I couldn't help but, you know, get a get a teary eye because yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a patriot. I'm an institutionalist. I love this country, and I've dedicated my life to it. So it, it's fun, um, and it's, it's hard sometimes. When we've seen what we've seen in the past couple of years, now we're going to get political. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> But it's been ugly the past couple of years. And so I've been working on a paper recently about what, what the problem is with our country and what the greatest threat is right now. And I'll tell you, it's two things. One, it's hubris, that we're arrogant because we think we're the, the best power in the world. And the second thing is we're politically divided. Yes. We have partisanship that, we're, that creates our inability to govern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can't get anything done, yeah, done in Congress. Yeah, I agree. You know, so – uh, hopefully we get past that because at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, where you come from, what color you are, who you sleep with or whatever. We're all Americans and we believe in one thing, you know, and that's freedom. That's getting along and having a good time and being able to have a good podcast on Friday night. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm, I'm voting for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. You run. We're voting. <laughs> I'm voting for you. I'm I'll run for office as soon as I'm done. You're on the camping. <laughs> All right. All right, John, stay on the line. Everybody else. Yeah. Thanks um, for, uh, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your Fridays. Yeah. Future backpacking content. Guys. Yes. Future backpacking content. All right. All right, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye.